five, four, three, two, one. Happy New Year! Happy Welcome New Year! <laughs> Welcome to Shortcut Happy to New Sunday. Year. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And I'm Kathy, and I can't hear well. <laughs> and this is your podcast for January 1st, 2023. There we go. Um, the, uh, in year A, we're starting year A now. And um, and uh, and and it's it's all new that we're we're celebrating the holy name of Jesus um, uh, for on New Year's Day. They happen to coincide, one and the same. Uh, we're coming to you not live on behalf of Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana. Bruce, Kathy, how you doing? Doing. Uh, I'm awake today. <laughs> <laughs> sure, More than sure. I can good say step. for yesterday. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So post post Christmas recovery is underway among the clergy. Yeah, yeah, that's a, it's a long it's a long haul. I think with uh with uh, the different services, I think it's only bested by uh, Easter as far as uh, yeah how how hectic it can be. So well, and the the nice thing about Easter is there tend not to be as many um, social events both in the church and with family around it so that mm-hmm. there's more recovery times. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, Christmas is over. So what's next? <laughs> Christmas is not over. Mm, we get 12, a good we point. Get 12 days. 12 a good days. point. And we've only lived through what? Three of them. As of this recording. Three yeah. Of them. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, what's, so we have the feast of, the holy name of Jesus on Sunday, mm-hmm. which is purposely always put on New Year's Day. And mm-hmm. then we have, um, we'll celebrate Epiphany a week after that. So we'll be a celebrating it two days after the actual feast of the Epiphany takes place on January 6th. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got and it. that wraps up Christmas. And then it's and then it's on to Epiphany, yes? The season of Epiphany. The season after Epiphany. Wow. Uh, Who'd have thought? I I never thought we'd make it out of year C. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've been out of year C since the beginning of Advent, but that's okay if you didn't notice. No, no, no. I knew. I I noticed. It just seemed like year C was going to go on forever. Um, and well, here we did, are because it was a crazy year. <laughs> it was a crazy year. You're not wrong there. Um, so then, as far as uh, uh, do we have anything special going on at the church? I know that there was like a lot of lead up and focus on uh things that ended up taking place uh literally in the last you know seven days and and a little bit over that too as we gathered together uh presents for the angel tree and you know uh, got ready for the, uh, christmas eve and christmas day and uh, do we have anything of the church and, oh my gosh yeah. yeah 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 so do we have anything so, uh that we want to promote yeah um on January 7th, which is a Saturday evening, we'll be having a grown-up epiphany party at the parish for all adults. Okay. I think it starts at 7, but I'm not absolutely positive. Awesome, awesome. Um, and so then where we would go to double-check that would be holyfamilyfishers.org, I would imagine. That's correct. Hey, see, I know how to plug. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, good, good, good. And then I think we have a we have game night. Uh, the oh yeah the the 
that uh, that Friday at seven o'clock. Uh, I happen to know that there will be some uh, some uh, younger families in attendance uh, looking to be in attendance. Uh, so so if you're scared of uh, some complicated gameplay that sometimes uh, the the uh, the Boy Scouts and I have a tendency to jump into, definitely some uh, some family friendly options coming up this uh, this game night. Yeah. Can can we play Candyland? Hey, yeah, we can play whatever you want. <laughs> Just remember, no gambling. Okay. Never mind. I, I take it back. I in three gumdrops. Somebody will try. Is it gambling when all the proceeds go to the church? Is that is that like I'm just trying to see if there's a loophole here. It's okay if it's gumdrops. <laughs> and you're playing Candyland. There you go. Oh, and um don't forget the um the music and meditation. Oh yeah. I'm not sure when that is. It's really soon. Oh, is that the thirty-three I, and a third? Yeah, mm-hmm. that that's um, not on the first of January. It's on the eighth of January, okay. Sunday evening. That's Sunday evening. Okay, but definitely should be on the calendar and something to look forward yeah. to. And really yeah. moving time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, <clears throat> um, it only happens once in a while, but uh, January first as uh, our our celebration sunday here and and uh so let's let's take a look and see what happened in years past on january 1st in this day in church history um our first uh entry here comes from 404 uh bc last known gladiator fight in rome um wait bc or or, sorry uh, ad sorry i said yeah i was gonna say they lasted you're right quite, quite a while yeah Okay, you're right. Four four A.D. Just like I said, I didn't mess that up. Uh, last known <laughs> gladiator fight in Rome sometime earlier. Uh, uh, Tele- Telemachus, Telemachus, a monk Telemachus? from the Eastern Roman Empire, had been killed by spectators in the Roman Colosseum for attempting to separate gladiatorial combatants, uh, according to church historian uh, Theodoret. Theodoret. Interesting. Uh, when Emperor Honorus uh, uh, learned of this, he declared Telemachus a martyr and abolished the games. Wow, but that that was a lot rougher than happens nowadays if someone runs onto a stadium field in the midst of a game. Yeah, but I, I, I find it interesting that that's the, at least according to the church historian, that's how it unfolded, that somebody ran out yeah. and tried to separate them and got killed, and the emperor was like, you know what, we don't need to do this anymore. Yeah, that's sometimes how change is made, is through martyrs. And a relatively reasonable, reasonable, level-headed, you know, decision. Like, hey, yeah, yeah. this is weird. <laughs> <laughs> why oh, do we do this? Why do we do this? That is odd. And how much does it cost to feed these guys before they die? <laughs> oh, man. Just feed them a couple of other slaves. <laughs> mm-hmm. No. Bad idea. Well, um, our uh, next entry comes from 1519. The Swiss Reformation begins uh, when uh, Huldrych Zwingli. Oh gosh, I butchered that. Zwingli. 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 Oh, Zwingli. oh shoot! I Zwing. You have to say Z V together. Zwingli. Zwingli. Yes. Okay. Huldrych. But she said Zwingli assumed his duties as priest of Zurich and began uh, begins preaching. Uh, through the Bible. So the Swiss Re- Reformation began. You know, top of the year, always a good time to start something. Um, well, and part of it was, it was the feast day of the holy name of Jesus. So oh, there you go. 
It was very purposeful, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, 1585, Giovanni Gabrielli becomes uh, the leading organist at St. Mark's Cathedral in Venice. His innovations, such as grouping musicians in separate areas and marking dynamic changes, will foster a revolution in music. I didn't realize that that is who's responsible for dynamic uh, writing, like uh, dynamics in uh, in um, uh, music writing. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, and, and no one died. <laughs> no one died. Not in that entry. Let's move on to the next one and see. <laughs> Actually, no, we're, we're good. Two for two here. Um, 1622, the Gregorian calendar, so-called because it was promulgated by uh, Pope Gregory the. 13th makes January 1st the first day of the year in Catholic countries under the Roman calendar. March 25th had been the first day of the year. So 1622 um, is the beginning of the Gregorian calendar. Yay, makes Gregory. Sense. I'm sorry, say that again? I said yay, Gregory. <laughs> yeah, yay, Gregory. <laughs> I mean... Otherwise, my watch would be totally inaccurate right maybe, now in terms of the calendar. Yeah, maybe yeah. it's my limited perspective, but it seems to make sense this way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, 1802, in reply to the Danbury Baptist Association uh, out of Connecticut, no less, which is concerned that Baptists could be forced to belong to an established church, Jefferson declares there is a wall of separation between church and state, a phrase which will later be wrested out of context to deny public expression of religious belief on governmental property. Uh, I don't, I don't agree with the interpretation. I was going to sure say that, that definitely, did it. yeah, definitely uh, uh, is interpretive there as I read it aloud, like, yeah, okay, yeah interesting. <laughs> well, and there, there are people who interpret it that way doesn't make it right true true and to this day uh um see the the lovely thing about the constitutional amendments they're all about freedom and therefore we can say whatever we want (laughs) no that can't be right either (laughs) a a debate a debate to be had for sure um but come to coffee hour it's always interesting there you go there you go (laughs) Uh, 1824, over breakfast, David Naismith uh, organizes the Glasgow Young Men's Society for Religious Improvement. One object spelled out in its constitution is to, quote, establish and promote throughout the city and suburbs associations of young men for mutual religious improvement. That's a mission statement. But go ahead. I was going to say, did that become the YMCA part of the YMCA movement? I believe it did. It did, right? I mean, that's the end of the century, so, um, and the authority for the, uh, for the date doesn't come from anything that leads me to directly connect it, but I think so. Okay. I think so. Um, 1871, an act, uh, to disestablish the Church of Ireland goes into effect, meaning it will no longer be the government-run church of that country. Yeah, and that was... That was huge because the the country of Ireland, unlike the province of Northern Ireland, was uh, Roman Catholic. And so their style, Roman Catholic style, was to be very intrusive into political affairs Mm -hmm. and things like the constitution formation and stuff. So it was a big deal that they said, no, we're not going to play that way anymore. Right, right, right. 
1927, Kawai Shui uh, publicly announces that he is establishing the Christ Heart Church, a Japanese denomination independent of the West. Um, what year was that? 1927. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Uh, the Then we have a couple of, uh, of um, passings of some notoriety. Yeah, we, yeah, we could read this. These, uh, they're not gruesome. 1937, uh, death of J. Gresham Machen, a gifted Presbyterian scholar and defender of the Christian faith in the United States, concerned with the rising tide of liberalism among Presbyterians. He had helped found the Orthodox Presbyterian Church. Oh my! Ooh. Well, yeah, that huh? one stuck. <laughs> there. Part, I'm sorry if I offend anyone listening to this, but they got pretty weird later. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're still around. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to skip one because I definitely want to get to the, uh, make sure that we get to this one. 1977 at the Episcopal church of all saints in Indianapolis, Jacqueline means becomes the first woman ordained to serve as a priest in the Episcopal church inside the United States of America. That's right. So there Jackie you go. means there you go. Yeah, it was kind of there was a little behind the scenes story is the Diocese of Los Angeles and the Diocese of Indianapolis were in a foot race to ordain the first woman, um, a priest, which became legal January 1st. Mm, and mm-hmm. so apparently they shift. They each kept like on an eBay bid or something, kept shifting their times earlier and earlier. Um, so. Mm. Out in Los Angeles is practically a sunrise service, and they still lost out by like thirty minutes. <laughs> I think I think it should be counted by the time within the time zone. In which case, that would make Los Angeles sooner. Yeah. Honestly, honestly, what I'd rather see is just kind of a group listing of rather than like, oh, this yeah. is the first person. Be like, hey. We ordained like 35 pe- uh, women that yeah. day and celebrate the fact that it's not an individual achievement, but it's a group achievement. Um, exactly. And also, it- let's just celebrate the fact that finally women got to do something they're perfectly capable of doing. Mm-hmm. Yay. Yeah. Just a thought. <laughs> yeah. No, no, um, uh, no lie. 1977 might still be a little later than I would like it to be. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That is quite recent uh, when you think about it. Um, 1979, the beginning of the third general council of the Latin uh, American Episcopate held in Pueblo, Mexico. Uh, It will emphasize popular piety and place special emphasis on the poor. The third general council. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that was part of the liberation theology movement in Latin America. Yeah. Yeah. and then uh, there's there's a final entry in 2011. Uh, uh, some people killed some people. Uh, uh, I don't want to. I don't want to get into it because uh, on it. Because you know what? They don't deserve the attention. Um, the people who 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 uh, passed away though do, but uh, I don't like drawing attention to radicals yeah. <laughs> anymore. I get tired of those entries. Um, um, but yeah, unfortunately, uh, um, a couple of uh, church bombings uh, on January 1st. So just awful, awful, awful. Um, well, let's move on 
to our first reading for the holy name of Je uh, the feast of the holy name of Jesus uh, that we're going to celebrate here on January first. Um, our first reading comes from a book that <clears throat> I don't think we read from very much at all, honestly, and it's a decent sized book. But we're going to read from the book <laughs> of Numbers. Um, it's a big book. It is, and it's. It's it's got a lot of numbers in it. Um, it's the um, it's the favorite of most accountants, you know. <laughs> I wonder if that's true. I wonder if there's a good cross section that would show that to be true. But uh, am I wrong on this feeling that I don't feel like we read from this in the in the three year cycle? I don't feel like we read from the book of Numbers, but maybe a less than a half dozen times, probably max. It, it may be a little more than that, but not not much more. Um, because in those early, in terms of page numbers, those early books of the Hebrew scriptures, we tend to focus on Genesis and Deuteronomy and leave out Leviticus and Numbers. Mm -hmm. And Leviticus and Numbers have a lot uh, of overlap with Deuteronomy, so we tend to go to Deuteronomy instead. Oh, okay, okay. I gotcha. I, I suppose that makes some sense, but still, numbers. Yeah, come on, come on. We could we could do more numbers. Um, so let's do that. Let's uh, numbers chapter six, verse twenty-two through twenty-seven. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, "Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the Israelites. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace." So they shall put my name on the Israelites, and I will bless them. So, um, a prayer, uh, essentially, from God to Moses to Aaron and his sons. Uh, so, a little bit of a game of telephone there. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, and this is a this is a very much a, 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 as as a lot of. Um, prayers and poems are uh, uh, some beautiful song lyrics uh, for, for within the church. Um, yeah. Uh, that we, that we utilize. So what is going on? In, in, obviously there's a beautiful prayer and we, we're going to get into uh, what, it, what it necessarily says, but what's the larger context of where we are in the book of numbers? What are we uh, recounting or what is the story that's going on <laughs> at this point in time? Basically, the Moses is getting the instructions as to how to um, worship appropriately. So, so that makes sense why they he would basically have this blessing or this prayer. Um, yeah, and that, yeah, and it is it is considered the priestly blessing. Mm -hmm. Okay, and it's um, uh, it's it's to quote the Bible I'm reading from. The footnote describes it as lovely. And I think that's a nice description. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's also very good for interfaith occasions because of the divine names used uh, don't narrow down who God is. That's It's not Jesus. It's mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. not one of the members of the Trinity. It's the Lord. And mm -hmm. that can be phrased in ways that various faith groups will recognize that as a deity or the deity, depending on if they're monotheistic. Mm -hmm. Is there any indication, uh, because most of the story of Moses is kind of captured in in, uh, in Exodus, right? So is there any 
indication as to roughly where in the journey this is occurring? Like where where in the storyline that we're familiar with? Um I think this is one of those when you get there sets of instructions. Mm, mm-hmm. And yeah, they've they've been divided into the different tasks. Um Mm-hmm. And uh, the the different tribes having the different tasks with the uh, Levites in charge of temple worship when they get to, well, not just temple worship, but worship when they get to the Holy Land. Corporate mm-hmm. worship. Corporate worship. That's the better term. Thank you, Kathy. Oh, yeah. And so this is part of those instructions um, of, you know, how do you dress? How do you eat beforehand who's allowed to be at corporate worship who needs to wait until they're uh, ritually clean all the mm. details that uh, most people fall asleep <laughs> pondering but um that's what i think about you every mean, night fall, fall asleep <laughs> from trying to ponder not yes like, they don't dream of this uh, uh, as they this isn't what the, what their their waking dreams are well, if if you're enough of a church nerd, every once in a while it's like, huh, I wonder what numbers has to say about this. <laughs> but, you, but you notice I've never quoted it in a sermon, so I know to mm-hmm. keep it to myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um Kathy, have you not ever used this in a sermon? Uh <laughs> <laughs> Are we talking about this specific text or what we're talking about with falling asleep? Uh, <laughs> um, I was I, more I, referring I, to have have you ever have you ever used uh, uh, um, the instructions in numbers as part of a part of a sermon? Uh, no, I don't think as part of a sermon, but I have used it as part of instructions in um, in in teaching um, mm-hmm. when I was when I was teaching in Los Angeles. Yes. Um, cool. I found cool. all the weirdest stuff anywhere to teach, and the kids <laughs> loved it. <laughs> For example, don't eat the gecko, which does not come from numbers. It comes from Deuteronomy, I think. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's a great lesson on not eating geckos. Yeah, I love that one. Our household has desperately tried to live out that instruction. Not eating the geckos? We have never eating. eaten a gecko. Yeah, maybe yeah. maybe now that the teenagers are into their thirties, they'll confess something. But I'm not gonna lie. So, as I far messed as up. we know, <laughs> I messed up three weeks ago. Up. No, I'm just kidding. All um, my friends were having geckos and <laughs> want to be cool, Dad. Uh, well, let's uh, let's go through this uh, this blessing here real quick, if we can. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so obviously, it's right there uh, in, at the front end of um, verse twenty four. The Lord bless you, uh, and in addition to all that, keep you, uh, which means not only so so not only uh, um, uh, bless you with you name it, but like keep you is that like a keep you close, keep you as within the fold kind of a thing, like what's a how are we being kept? I I really think bless and keep are sort of one act when you're talking about God, because it's, you know, to be blessed by God is to be upheld, held up, 
Mm-hmm. Um, not like a, not like a gunpoint held up, but yeah, more like <laughs> upheld. Yeah, better. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it, it's it's talking about God just doing what God does in in loving people and um, making sure if we choose to be, then we are safe in God's arms. Um, mm. That's the greatest blessing I can think of, and it's a keeping blessing. Gotcha. No, I like yeah, that. And- Again, part of the Jewish poetry system of that time was repetition. So, yeah, bless and keep are you're supposed to look at that as two words meaning the same thing. Gotcha. And in Christianity, we tend to see blessings as short term, short term uh, benefits or something. Good wishes. Mm -hmm. And yeah good wishes and instead this is about forever and everness which is really what what god is trying to communicate to us repeatedly how we are always in god's embrace and kept safe by god gotcha Uh, and this comes from this comes right after a major description of what corporate worship should look like and Mm -hmm. so it's telling us what is the major function of the religious body. It's not to discipline people. It's not to keep them on the straight and narrow. It's to bless them. But second is to discipline, right? You know, yeah. just after, right, right after that, right? This, this does not have anything about discipline in it. Yeah. <laughs> well, that it is an interesting says... point though, to, to, to bring up. Cause yeah. Um, so then is verse 25 similar, like uh, these two lines uh, mean the same? Because I think we've talked about before a phrase of like having God's face shine upon you or. Uh, right. It, mm-hmm. What it, So can we revisit like what is what does that imagery mean? It, yeah, I mean, that's a shiny face is full of grace. Right. And therefore. <laughs> well, and, bad and it, poetry. Sorry. And it's protective. Mm. Okay. So it's that, you know, it it is being God giving grace and protection, which particularly in the time that this was um, written down, both were needed very deeply. Sure. Okay. Uh, So, so they do kind of go together. The, the shine, face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Um, Second thing, second or third, sorry, I shouldn't say second. Third, uh, the the third entry here is lifting up his countenance upon you and giving you peace. I think a lot of us don't really have full understanding of what countenance is. It's like, oh, that's a nice word. And then like no idea what it means. Myself included, a lot of times I'm like, what does that word mean again? What does that mean? The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. Um, his face. Yeah, face. But it's it's a it's a face. If you've ever seen the first time a parent sees a child, and there's that just sort of otherworldly, almost glowiness. Mm-hmm. That's it, right there. Okay. God, al- God will always look at us as new and wonderful and. Whatever else. Unique, precious. Yeah. 
Yeah, one of a kind. Unless you get the kid like I got that crosses her eyes and sticks out her tongue first thing. (laughs) (laughs) Although that was obviously quite memorable. (laughs) Well, sure. Yeah, sure. Um, (laughs) uh, So then then I wonder if uh, rather than the repetition being uh, how we've blocked this out uh, uh, more recently by verses, uh, if really all... If the if these lines uh, uh, are the things that are repeating blessing and keeping you, shining your face upon you and being gracious to you, because especially as yeah. you mentioned um, the the imagery of a uh, parent first laying eyes on their on their child, that yeah this is this is what happens uh, uh, like in that moment. Uh, there's a, a tremendous sense of, of peace and relief. Uh, 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 you know, an outpouring of grace towards, you know, that creation, a desire to keep uh, them uh, and be with them forever. Like all of those things are kind of like all wrapped up in that moment of of the imagery that you just shared. And, and I wonder if the, mm-hmm. those lines are actually repeating each other as opposed to both ends of the, 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 the word and there in, in each of the verses. Oh yeah. 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 It's, you know, if you think of the way a song works, if it's well-written, you might say the same thing six times over, and mm-hmm. nobody gets upset because you've said it six unique and lovely ways. And and a psalm, P-S-A-L-M, is a song, S-O-N-G, really. You know, it's, um. these are the words that people often sang together. And mm-hmm. so if you think of it that way, you know, it... it Gives a better idea, I think, of how they're structured and why they're structured that way. Okay. Yeah. And there's also the building. Maybe building's not the right word, but the driving home of the repeated thought that ends with the punchline of verse 27. That is enough to not, you know, it's particularly someone in... Moses' age, that would just knock their socks off if they had any. Knock off their little sandals. The yeah. sandals. <laughs> the knock their not knocked the thongs of their sandals off. Yes, there you go. Yeah, and um, just since 20, verse twenty-seven has come up already, Couldn't I resist. want to say that they shall put my name on the Israelites. Um, that's sort of where the whole list of scriptures that we're reading for this day, Mm -hmm. um, sort of take their theme being, you know, the holy name of Jesus. There's a name right there. Um, if you, you might notice that there are all sorts of naming activities that we're going Mm. to be talking about in the next several minutes. So um, keep that in mind. They shall put my name on the Israelites. In other words, God has chosen to name God's people after God's own self. Mm -hmm. And that means something. It's not just, you know, it's not just like a random title of a magazine article. It's it's a real thing. And names are hugely important in in um in the scriptures specifically but it you know in the first century um well leading up to the first century obviously this is before the first century but um 
Yeah, in, in ancient Israel, naming was a really crucial thing, and it, it mm-hmm. it's a way of giving identity beyond what name you're going to call when your child's late for dinner. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's the who is this really? And to whom yeah. does this belong? And to whom does this belong? <clears throat> yeah, it, I, I have to admit, as, as dumb as this is going to make me sound, uh, as you were saying that it it I, the the one of the first thoughts that came into my head, my head uh was uh, from the movie toy story uh and uh how the anthropomorphic uh, uh toys valued the fact that their child put their 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 name on them uh Big that time. They, they they belonged to them and and that was like a kind of a mm-hmm. sentimental beat in the storyline of of appreciating um who they belonged to and, uh, and that defined their sense of community and, and love and, and everything. So uh, that was right. just an interesting mu- thought I had. And mutual responsibility and accountability to care for one another. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So part of, I mean, it, at the time when the, this high, this priestly prayer started to be used and we don't know exactly when that was, there might have been people who would not say amen because they did not want to take on these obligations hmm. to God. It would have been, boy, that you know, they would have taken it so seriously. That is so powerful. That's like, eh, maybe next week. Not, no, not this week. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sure I'm ready for this. <laughs> yeah. 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 Whereas again, today it's like, oh yeah, you know, give me your blessing. Thanks. Okay. Amen. <laughs> Off to Kroger. <laughs> um, Anything else about this numbers entry before we get into Psalm 8? Not for me. No, but I think we'll keep talking about the same thing. Yeah, yeah. the theme will yeah. keep going. Well, let's take that uh, name theme on to Psalm uh, chapter 8. Um, I guess uh, it looks like the way this is listed, it, this must be the entire psalm, yes? Uh, yeah, uh, I think so. See, okay. uh, No, actually. Mm, really? Oh, wait, no, I was looking at 6. <laughs> Well, then you, then we just saved you from some big confusion. Uh, (laughs) um, uh, So all of Psalm 8. That's all of, that's all of Psalm 8. Please read. Okay. Uh, O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens out of the mouth of uh, mouths of babes and infants. You have founded a bulwark because of your foes to silence the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, excuse me, and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them, mortals that you care for them, yet you have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You have given them dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under their feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Um, boy, whoever translated this, uh, either, like, let me, let me rephrase that. Whoever either wrote this or translated it uh, uh, did some real heavy lifting with some of the, 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 the word choices. It's, it's, yeah. there's some interesting um, words here that are, that are utilized in the Psalm that I'm not entirely sure um, 
we see too terribly often. Um, uh, the the phrase uh, uh, sovereign being used as a title is in my mind a little rare. Um, I know that it's used as a descriptor a lot, but not as a not as it not necessarily as a title as as far as I could think of. But also, or a name. It's a name. Yeah, it's a capitalized name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's not just a title. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That's yeah. In my head, as I was reading it, I was thinking of like a a position or um, uh, a, a, a title of an, an individual who has a specific job, uh, almost. Um, so that's you're saying that's not the way this is used. This is this is an actual name. It's a, name. It's a name which. Again, if you're going back to these, to the ancient Hebrew stuff, um, it's it's a name, but it's also um, a description of how we see someone, um, or of how this person exists in the world. Hmm. And to build on what Kathy said in about the numbers passage, it's like how when when a child calls a parent mommy or daddy if you ask that child depending on their age what's you know, what's your parents names often the child will say well mommy and daddy right and right. that that in the child's mind refers to a specific person is like a proper name but also to anyone listening in knows a lot of the job description that goes with that hmm and the relational role. Gotcha. Um, <clears throat> and, and I suppose that then follows there into verse two. Uh, I mean, man, what a line out of the mouths of babes and infants. You have founded a bulwark because of your foes to silence the enemy and the Avenger. There's a lot going on in that verse. Uh, I'm trying <laughs> to, I'm trying to figure out like what the dumbed down me version of this would be. Um, because, I mean, a man, a bulwark is like, like a, a defensive wall, yeah, um, a fortress, um, yeah. And there, it, go ahead. There's some people that would prefer to translate that instead of um, founded a bulwark. Bulwark uh, would translate it as um, established strength. Mm, okay. Then why is it coming out of the mouths of babes and infants? Like, is that to protect the babe? Like, is it? Well, it's just interesting phrasing. I'm trying to figure out. There are a couple, couple of ways you might look at that. One would be that as compared to God, uh -huh. we're all babes and infants. Okay. You know, we're, we're, we're little, we're children. We are the children of God. Um, those, those words get tossed around and we don't always think about what we're saying, but I think it's important that, um, you know, we don't have to be wise. We don't have to be well-learned and we don't have to have all the knowledge in the world. Um, but we're always, able, uh, we're always able to call on God's name, whatever name that is, mommy, daddy, um, sovereign, counselor, you know, all so those names of God and of Jesus that... That, that we throw around all the time without really thinking of 
what those words mean. And, you know, it, it is important that anyone is able to call on God. And often when we call on God, we're asking for protection or blessing or bubblegum, whatever. Um, and those little things, the, the little bits and pieces of our lives that we turn over to God are so important that God is willing to strengthen us mm-hmm. against whatever might be, you know, threatening to harm us. Um, and and I always feel like we need to be careful to say that doesn't mean you can stand in the middle of a road and have a car hit you and God will save your <laughs> life. You know, that's not what it's about. It's right. It's it's much more of a spiritual thing. You know, that mm-hmm. no matter what's going on, whatever is battering against us, God's going to hang on and be with us. And um, that's the kind of bulwark or strength or wall or fortress that we need the most. And it it's a little hard to see. It's a little tough to translate. Okay. The translation we use tries to do a word-for-word translation. Oh, to make I hate it, when it does that. Okay. <laughs> to make it as simple as, as straightforward as possible. And in some ways... It it's harder to see that part of the point here is that the babbling of a baby in God's hands is more powerful than the strongest words of the strongest enemy. Gotcha. Okay. So as you were kind of pointing out, out of the mouths of babes and infants uh, uh, would kind of be uh, referring to the people saying this prayer, saying this praise, this this poem, yeah. this psalm. The good um, guys. Right. So kind of a, a, a an acknowledgement of even though we're inept at it you know you turn uh what we're able to say into something powerful and effective um that and kind of the implication being like this is not of us like any any success that we get um um uh, to silence the enemy and the avenger is wholly through um through through you and not right because of us right okay mm-hmm. um man i can't read this and not hear the song that uses this uh that that we've sung at the church uh, uh several times over all the years um which is a beautiful piece i don't know i don't think we're singing it sunday though which is a shame bummer i know Maybe we can uh, uh, drum it up real quick. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, she'll kill me. Uh, <laughs> um, but then, yeah, then we go. I love this line, though. When I look at the at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them, mortals that you care for them? Kind of, kind of almost a reinforcement of that verse two. Um, reference of being, you know, small and 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 ineffective uh, on on their own, uh, just just kind of carrying through here. Um, yeah, uh, and mm-hmm. I. Think but then that, you have to have the the punchline of verse five. Nah, uh, no, <laughs> no, you're right. And I was just actually going to say that I think in the song. Um, the, the song translation that I'm remembering says you have made them a little lower than the angels. And then, but Psalm eight says, God, is there a it, translative 
opportunity here? Yeah, it, it can be of angels. Okay. The most accurate would actually be a plural of God. Oh, interesting. So it it's getting into the... Yeah, there are all these other beings out there that other peoples claim to be gods. And if you have to believe that, go ahead, but know that you are more important than those parentheses false and parentheses God. Got it. Got got it. Um <clears throat> interesting. Uh do we know anything about this psalm. I forgot to ask that at the top. I usually do of like uh, where it comes from, any ideas as to authorship or, or other than uh, use in a service, uh, if it was used uh, any other way, that's, that's of note. It, it seemed to be popular. Uh, and this is just taking the written text that, that's available to us in Hebrew. It seems to be popular because it has multiple directions as to how to sing it. Hmm. So, so it's not, not a psalm that was written. People say, oh, that's nice, and then forgot about it. Instead, it probably is a psalm that was sung frequently and so gained uh, choral directions to the text. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I, I don't know as if I've heard you say anything like that about uh, some of the other psalms, so that, that does kind of stand out. Yeah, it does. Um, and then I feel like verse 6 through 8 is kind of like a... I don't know, as a psalm callback to um, the creation story. Uh, this is kind yep. of like a, the, a reminder of the Adam and Eve story and but kind it's of leading bigger. us into that. Yeah, it's bigger than that. Yeah, it is bigger than that. Um, if you remember back in that creation story, um, when after after God had created human beings, Mm -hmm. which obviously is also after God had created um, animals and such. Um, there is a point where God invites Adam to give all these creatures names. Mm. And so we're back to that name mm. thing. Not only does God have a name, but everything on the planet has a name. And God gave humankind the permission and, and the task, the challenge to, to name all those things. And, um, this is where, this is where we start getting into the real, real meat of, of what Holy Name is really about. Um, in, maybe I already said this, but it was a long time ago, wasn't it? Um, back in, I'm sorry, my headphones are falling off my head. There we go. Um, or maybe my head is falling out from under my headphones. I don't know. But in in the in the times we're we're thinking about here, you know, ancient Israelites and and up through the the time of Jesus' birth. So this will be important. If you want to establish a relationship with something, mm -hmm. you name it. You name it. Um, that's why. You know, if the reason humankind has dominion over the animals and, and the rocks and the flowers and the trees and whatever else is because humankind gave them their names. Hmm. And um, there's a there's a, an 
a, a midrash originally written in like the, somewhere between 5 and 800 AD. Um, and a midrash is sort of a, an extension, a commentary on scripture. It's a very big, important Jewish thing that, that mm -hmm. a rabbi would give a midrash. So um, there's one that dates from that, you know, that long ago, a couple uh, thousand years, fifth now, yeah. 1800 years ago, at least, um, where God is in a conversation and God first talks to the heavenly host or the angels, parades in front of them all these animals and says, what are the names of these things? And they did not know. Hmm. However, after God created Adam and Eve, he made those same animals pass before Adam and said, what are the names of these things? And Adam said, this should fittingly be called an ox, and that a lion, that a horse, that a camel, etc., etc. Um, and so God accepted those names. What, and you, what shall your name be? God asked Adam, and Adam said that his name should be Adam because he was created from the ground. And um, the word Adam, or Adama, as it's more properly said, um, means creature from the earth, something made mm. out of mud, which was Adam and Eve. Um, and then God asked, this was where it really gets wild and crazy, God asked Adam, and what is my name? And Adam replied, Adonai. And God asks, why would Adonai be my name? And Adam says, because you are master over all created beings. Hmm. Hence it is written, I am Adonai, that is my name, from Isaiah. It means, that is the name by which Adam called me. It is the name that I have. So, and, hmm. and so in verse 9, O oh Lord, is that Hebrew word. Adonai. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, if if you're um, you know, if you're just talking to a room full of intelligent people, they will say, well, of course, human beings gave God God's names. Um, well, because we're the ones that possess language, and um, <clears throat> and we get to we get to make up all sorts of words for all I sorts. I suppose of that's things. true. <laughs> yeah. But um. But it's a much bigger deal than that. You know, it's mm -hmm. it's a privilege and it's a responsibility and it's a way of claiming things. So mm -hmm. anything on earth that God has given us permission to name, including God, apparently, um, now belongs to us. And not only do we define what those things are, but those things define who we are. Mm. And so as soon as we get to the gospel, we're going to have fun with that. <laughs> well, it's funny that you should mention that because that's exactly where we're going right now. Uh, oh, lucky me. How, how about that for transition? Uh, the gospel reading uh, this week comes from Luke chapter 2, verse 15 through 21. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. 
the shepherds Mm -hmm. returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. After eight days had passed, it was time to circumcise the child, and he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Um, Can we I, skip all the repetitive part that we just read a few days ago? <laughs> uh-huh. We did. We, uh, we, we, we did. That's, uh, that's apparently where this one picks up. I don't know if uh, on Sunday are we going to read the whole story, the 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 Linus story again? Well, I, I, it, it seems that we're kind of obligated to. I don't know. Um, personally, I think this is one of the places where whoever put the lectionary together with my apologies, I say this, um, because, you know, any group hey. of people can only do so much. But um, there are some absolutely lovely verses following right on the tail of verse 21 that include the stories of Simeon and Anna, who were present in the temple when Jesus was given his name. Hmm. And um, they, they, well, Simeon has lovely things to say. Anna doesn't have a direct speech, but we're told that she became just absolutely glowy and was praising God for this child being in her presence. Um, mm-hmm. Those are lovely stories. And I'm sorry they're not the main gospel for the day, but I'm going to talk about them on Sunday anyway, because <laughs> I think they matter. Um, yeah. But um, here's the thing. We're going to just look at verse 21, if you don't mind. Sure. I will say that in the angels' speeches and songs to the shepherds, they talk mm-hmm. a lot about who Jesus will be. And that's important, mm. but that's not in this little part here. Um But anyway, when it comes to the time for Mary and Joseph to take Jesus to the temple and give him his name, um, lots of really important and wonderful things happen. Um, First of all, the main responsibility for naming children at this time was the mother, was the Mm. mother who said, this child will be. Um, There are some exceptions to that, but... We're not going to go there right now because it would take me all day. Um, But um, it was the responsibility of the mother primarily to give a child its name. And in the act of giving the child a name, the mother also claimed her new name, which is mother. Um, That's where the role of mother begins. It's, It's when the mother names her child. She's also renaming herself. She has been daughter. She has been woman. She's been baker. She's been floor sweeper. Um, She's been wife. And now she's mother. And that's a whole new name and a whole new role. And not just a role, but like we were talking about earlier, that name goes deeper than just a task. It is who the person is. And so that's a, you know, that's a huge thing that Mary went to the temple as is ritually proper in that time. And um, my dog is screaming at me. Shush. Oh, probably because she's hungry. Okay. The dog is hungry. Um, But anyway, so Mary gives Jesus his name. Although that name originally, as you might recall, came from the angel who appeared to Mary 
right. um, at what we call the Annunciation. When, when the angel actually gave Jesus his name before Mary said yes to being his mother. Right, because um, in, in, in Luke, we have the angel visiting Mary as opposed right, to, yeah, what is it, story. Matthew? Matthew, yeah. Matthew the angel has appears the angel visiting to Joseph. Joseph. Right. So. Um, so the angel actually told Mary at that at that time, here's what this child will be named. Do you want to be his mom? Basically. And mm-hmm. Mary very bravely said yes. Um, so there's that that lovely bit. But then um, jumping back over here to this part where where the prophet Simeon is is speaking to Mary. If you're if you're a prayer book, um, a prayer book um, lover, a lover of the prayer book, and if you read um, things like morning and evening prayer, there is a thing in there called the Song of Simeon, which mm-hmm. um, begins with the words, "You now, Lord, you now have set your servant free to go in peace as you have promised." These are the words mm-hmm. of Simeon, and he had been told by the Holy Spirit at some point much earlier in his life, that he would not die before he was able to see the Savior of Israel, which is going to be Jesus. Um, mm-hmm. Again, not in a literal way that we might expect it to, to mean now, but um, the coming of Jesus is going to turn everything upside down, shift the way the world works, um, change how people relate to God, change how... God is with people. Um, a whole lot of changes going on here. And so um, Simeon was promised that until that happened and until he witnessed that himself, he wouldn't die. So in saying these words, um, now let your servant die in peace or you now have set your servant free. Um, I have seen your salvation. So I have held this baby in my arms. I have touched this thing that's going to turn the world completely around and um, give us a new definition for love and for God. And hmm. um, so he, he says all these lovely things. Um, I suggest you open your prayer book at some time when you have a chance and read something like Evening Prayer and you'll find or this. Or Compline. It's in Compline, or Compline. It's also in Compline. We oh, actually read this a lot, except not on Sundays. Um, yeah. So if, if you do the daily offices, you will have read this many times. Simeon is blessing Mary and Joseph and the baby, and he says this following the part of the his speech that we read so often. This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. So... Jesus is going to open us all up in ways that we can't even imagine. Um, we won't all like it. And, but then he says, in almost an aside to Mary, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Um, mm. Possibly the saddest line in all of, all of the Gospels. Um, yeah. Telling Mary that, you know, you're standing here now with this great joy bundled up in your arms and um, this is your baby and you've 
you've shown your countenance upon him, <laughs> just like God does. You know, we've you're you're standing here, and this is the most precious precious moment in your life, possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, but a sword will pierce your very soul, and of course, that's a reference to to the crucifixion, of right. which Mary will be a ref, um, a a witness. Joseph won't be a witness to that, as far as we know. Um, there's an assumption mm-hmm. that Joseph died before Jesus hit adulthood. Um, he disappears from the story in any case. Right. But um, so so here is you know Simeon, who has waited, waited for years and decades um, to see this event take place, and he's now you know ready to die. He's ready to die. Um, but first he has to warn Mary of this horrible thing that's going to come, it's going to come to her and she'll, she'll witness this horrible sadness. Um, sorry, yeah. I have a hard time even talking about this. It's, um, it, it's not the line I would want to hear when I was no. taking my baby to the temple, but, um, that's the line Mary has to live with for the rest of her life. Um, yeah, and and I, I would I would imagine um, I, I don't the, the the scripture doesn't go into it, but man, if I were if I were Mary, I'd be like, wait, what does that mean? <laughs> we, that yeah. you know, if someone told me that line of like, oh, yeah, like, right, what exactly do you mean by that? What you, you know? Uh, uh, because it's not really like a, the kind of phrase that would be used to describe, you know, standard uh, 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 parenting of like, oh, there'll be ups, there'll be downs and joys and 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 uh, and defeats and and you know just all manner of of, of uh, feeling as you know as, right. as one comes with as it comes with being a parent. That right. line is very. Yeah. Ominous, <laughs> and but of course, this also makes Mary just like any other parent. Um, we don't all get to sit and watch our son be crucified. Not that I would want to. Um, and the, and that's you know, this is a very direct and specific thing that he's referring to. But it also puts Mary into the same category of human being as every other parent who's ever lived. We don't mm. know. You know, yeah, we don't we don't get the prophecy that says, "Hey, this is coming," but we all we all know, don't we, that anything can happen at any time. Yeah, and most of us see our children live to adulthood, and um, as I recall from a Peanuts cartoon many many years ago, you know, the the only fair way about it is that we should all die in the order that we're born. I don't mm-hmm. know if you remember ever seeing that Peanuts cartoon, but. You know, it seems fair to me that no parent should outlive their child, um, but we know that doesn't always happen. And Mary, you know, is standing here right now as as the the epitome of of that reality, and and she has no way around it. You know, she doesn't get to say, "Well, maybe that won't really happen," or "Maybe I'll die first, or um, right. maybe he'll live to a ripe old age." Because this is a prophet speaking a prophet who is filled with the Holy Spirit and is speaking God's words. Um, and she now knows in no uncertain terms that her child will die and that it will be very painful for her. And um, there's a lot of sadness in that. 
Yeah, yeah, a ton of sadness. Um, that's uh, yeah, like I said, it, the, I I would think that uh, as this blessing is being delivered, I would have questions, and there probably were some. Um, uh, they just didn't get detailed in the uh, in the actual gospel writing, but uh, uh, yeah. there's no way that someone lets that line go without. All right, pause on that. Yeah. <laughs> what are you? T- what yeah. are you talking about? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, so. but but chances are very good that Simeon only knew that. Possibly, he didn't know what he meant in saying that. That's, that's true, and that's, it, that's and what I, he was. That's what he was given to say, and sometimes right? God tells us stuff that. You know, we have we have to deal with and hang on to, but we don't always know what it's going to mean in the end. Right. Um, well, so. and and uh, I suppose at the very least, saying uh, uh, saying something to the effect that you know your child is uh, destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel. I mean, that at the very least, that statement is like that's that would be hard. You know, you're gonna like there's gonna be some implication of division there and it's going to be hard to watch that uh, as a parent even in of itself like if you mm-hmm. know there are going to be people who are set against him as a result and that's gonna that that would be also yeah. hard so i don't know maybe maybe well, the meaning uh it, for for mary came into full focus later um, to, to think of it in a in a more contemporary context imagine if um martin luther king's Junior's mother was told at his birth, here's what's going to happen. You know, she could yeah. have been told the exact same thing by Simeon. Your child yeah. will be the fall and will be the rising and will be loved and believed and will be hated. And, and there you go. It's really the same story, isn't it? Yeah. In, in many yeah. ways. Yeah. So. And it's not a it's not a happy story, but um. Anyway, well, that was happy, happy, happy place to to take that, but <laughs> it is what it is. Um. Then um then we have. Dear, what's her name? Anna, um, mm-hmm. and for some reason I am losing track of where. I had a bunch of things I was going to read to you what Anna had to what Anna didn't actually say, but what she kind of experienced um, that, um, yeah. Anna was a widow. She was, Mm -hmm. she lived to be 84 years old, which is pretty old in the first century. Um, And it says that she never left the temple after she became a widow, which was only after seven years of marriage. And then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. And at that moment, the moment when Simeon is holding the baby and giving him a questionable blessing, at that moment she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. So sort of the same the same story again it's what people were waiting for we're talking about a group of people the nation of israel um mm-hmm. that had you know they spent 40 years wandering around in the desert which we saw back in the in the story from numbers um they've been taken captive 
They've had their temple destroyed. They've had their temple rebuilt. Their temple will be destroyed again in only a few matter of a few years. Um, these people have been... They've been all over the place, and they've been through all sorts of pain. And this is the moment when, when these then-modern-day prophets, first-century prophets, um, were saying, and here's where it all turns around. Mm-hmm. And this baby is going to change the way we live together, who we are. They're, they're going to change. This baby will name, will ch- this baby will change. Maybe I need dinner too. This baby <laughs> will change the way we see God, the way we name God. Um, everything mm-hmm. is going to change because of this baby. And um, that's that's huge. That's a huge burden to put on those tiny little baby shoulders. And it's a huge burden to put on his mother especially, but his father as well. I mean, his Joseph, there are many, you know, stories that have been added on to Joseph's head about how he may have felt about all this that was going on and the way his life was being changed and everything. But mm-hmm. there's there's no reason to believe he didn't love this child in the end. I mean, he nurtured him. He, you know, he was his he was his earth daddy. Um, yeah. And so these were hard things to hear. And yeah. Um, so was a lot to say. It was a lot for Mary and Joseph to hear. Um. So there was joy in it, and there was sadness in it. And um, listen in on Sunday, and we'll see what else I can think of to say. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you definitely said it there. Uh, it you, you go from this uh, high height of of uh, of uh, the, the tail end of the nativity story, and mm-hmm. uh, then you you uh, kind of have this this beautiful and yet sobering you know uh, uh, kind of reset by the gospel by the author of Luke and saying mm-hmm. now don't forget there's some serious business ahead in in the right in the the the, uh, the many chapters to come here uh, uh, as great as that is uh, there's there's a you know be prepared for the fact that here's the story of a of somebody who wasn't accepted by everybody and had a uh, at times a divisive message uh, because it called for, he called for some uncomfortable things to, right. uh, to, to, for us to settle up with, you know, to, to, to become comfortable with. And so it is, it is kind of an interesting uh, high and high and low and, uh, and then kind of off we go with the, with, with the story. So, Yes. Anything else about uh, the the gospel uh, reading here for the week? I don't know if I'm back now from feeding the dogs. I don't know if Kathy <laughs> threw this in or not, but this was one of the <clears throat> this pairing of Simeon and Anna is one of those first examples in the Gospel mm. of Luke of Luke wanting to pair male and female imagery. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. He'll do that mm-hmm. over and over and over. She did not. Uh, so that is a that, did, that is a I new point. I did point. not say that. I could have, but I didn't. You could have, yes. (laughs) 
Well, and very good. Just to state what we've been implying, Kathy is uh, giving the sermons this Sunday. So both at 8 and 10 o'clock, yes. live or on the live stream, you get to hear what she comes up with. Yes, uh, very much looking forward to uh, to that because, yeah, this is definitely some some uh, some rich reading uh, uh, at the, the the beginning part of the story of Jesus. So um, looking forward to uh, the the homily uh, this coming Sunday, eight and ten, uh, uh, as you said, is going to be live and in person at the church with a nine o'clock educational hour in between the 10 o'clock service will be broadcast live on uh, our YouTube channel, HFEC videos. Uh, and I think that with that, we'll call to a close this year podcast for January 1st, uh, 2023, the new year uh, uh, in the Gregorian calendar, of course. Uh, and <laughs> thank you, Gregory. And <laughs> uh, until, until next week, I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And I'm Kathy, and I still will be after next week. And we'll talk to you later. <laughs> Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.